Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Hey, what's up? Welcome in GC Live special Tuesday episode of the show. We're taking care of a little business on Monday, so no Monday show. So we are making up for it with a Tuesday show. And as always, we are brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. Give Clint a shout, 803-771-6933. Or just go check out ClintHammond.com if you're in the market for a new home or maybe you just want to refinance your current mortgage, get yourself in a little bit lower interest rate. Save yourself some money. Again, uh, that's 803-771-6933. Or if you'd just like to maybe email Clint, C. Hammond, that's C-H-A-M-M-O-N-D, at mortgagenetwork.com, your branch manager here at the Columbia Mortgage Network right across from Dreher High School. So always appreciate our good friend Clint for helping make the show possible. And we appreciate you, everyone in our chat, all of our listeners, our watchers, viewers, uh, you make the show possible as well, and you are the reason we have a show. So we appreciate you. Thanks for joining us here on Tuesday. Everybody may be a little bit slow getting in. I guess they're not used to us having a Tuesday show, but I uh, see some of the normal uh, folks already in the chat. What's up, y'all? Hope you're doing well. A little bit of information today. We, we find out, um, obviously, since we had the last show, South Carolina has defeated LSU in a series in baseball. Um few players spoke on Monday. Shane Beamer, we, we actually had a little bit of a live look at practice today. Not a whole lot going on out there as far as anything newsworthy. But uh, we did hear from Shane Beamer, who spoke for, I believe, about 40, 41 minutes today, uh, give or take a little bit, to preview the spring game. And uh, I would say the first or biggest thing we've learned is just maybe, Chris, from a logistics standpoint, it's that Beamer wants to operate – this as a true spring game you know we, we've seen you know and somebody may be thinking well, well obviously it's it's a spring game but we, we've seen different uh, programs we, we've we've seen it at South Carolina we've seen different coaches operate the spring game in different ways as far as how you structure it logistically a lot of times it's dependent on how many players you have you know I, I think as the must champ era sort of progressed i think there was less and less emphasis on like the spring game even mattering much and you know i, I think I'm, I'm trying to think necessarily how things were divided up I, I i think it was spurrier who started the whole it was either late spurrier or early must champ where basically just said who whoever is the quarterback is what team is out there so if, if there's a couple of garnet quarterbacks there's a couple of black jerseyed quarterbacks, and then those guys were essentially like, okay, whoever's in, everybody else can rotate in around them, but whoever's in is how you score it. Beamer, we find out today, Chris, is hopeful. He, he wants to do a true Garnet team, black team, divide it up, have a winner. Now that comes with one very big sort of uh, caveat, <laughs> do the Gamecocks have enough players to actually do that? Yeah, and, and it seemed he, he expressed some concern about that today. You know, out at practice this morning, Wes, you mentioned we were able to see, you know, the stretch period and three periods. So we were out there about 20, 25 minutes or so, and, you know, we noticed 
some players that normally are available or have been available this spring that were not participating. Didn't look like anything serious on a lot of them. For instance, JJ and Igbare was inside in the indoor, which typically you see some of the guys who are rehabbing or maybe have a little injury or a serious injury in there. Uh, didn't see Aaron Sterling. So that, that edge group was a little thin. That's something that we talked about. And Shane Beamer said that a lot of guys, you know, had entered practice nicked up and they had some guys during practice that got a little nicked up. And now the fortunate thing is it doesn't sound like there's anything serious, Wes, but the spring game, even if you are taking a more serious approach to it, that is not a game where you're going to go push guys who are nicked up or injured to go play. You're not going to send guys out in the spring game to play hurt. You know, a lot of people always joke and, and talk about that the difference between playing hurt and playing injured. You're not sending a guy out there even to play hurt for a spring game. It's a spring game. You want guys to stay healthy. You want to exit the spring as healthy as you possibly can as a football team. And they've done that for the most part throughout the spring, which is, which is a positive. You want to keep it that way. So we will see how that plays out. Shane Beamer, I think mentioned today, rosters uh, and teams, may be set by Thursday. They were going to meet as a staff today to discuss, hey, who's available? You know, who do we think can play? Which guy has which kind of nick and cut and all these different types of things, and then figure it out from there. So still some questions as to how things will be structured, but it will uh, be interesting to see how that how that all comes out as the week progresses. Yeah, you know, and, and Chris, uh, <laughs> Beamer made it sound like, I mean, today – the way he said it, uh, I'm going to give you the exact quote here. Um, there were some positions today when we finished practice that it would be very tough um, if things stay the way they are right now on Tuesday for us to be able to have a game, <laughs> which uh, is kind of an alarming sentence. I-, I have to think they're going to have a spring game. I-, I think maybe, you know, maybe if things stay the way they are right now, it may be hard to have a spring game in the structure logistically that Beamer wants to have on Saturday. He, he clearly wants to, you know, he, he separated these guys out. I didn't catch this the first time until I was listening back the second time. I, I thought he meant, you know, like all oh, Sunday I separated everybody out. He's had the team split up actually since the prior Sunday after the first scrimmage. So, you know, I, I think you look, for and there's probably a good reason for it. I don't know his exact reasoning. He really wants to actually play this thing out like a real game. We'll see if they're able to do that. I would imagine if they're that limited, you probably, you know, I, I think there's been times in the past where they've put some guys in like a, a third jersey color and have just said, you know, we're we're going to roll you out there and and just you know we're going to rotate you in. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they tried their best to have it separated out. But then, all right, y'all, you you know you're you're going to play a bunch of snaps today if uh, if you're certain guys, you know, just because at the end of the day, it's about you know getting some entertainment value for the for the fans. But also, I, I liked Beamer's point as well as uh, yes, priority one, goal one, stay healthy. Priority two, three, four. When you start looking at some of these other goals, it's go play in front of people. Um, you know, even if you're talking about 15,000 people, hopefully it gets to that number. We'll see, you know, we'll see what the weather is. You know, you start talking about that though. How, how many of these guys, these newcomers have, have really played in, in front of that many people you're going to have, you know, has, has Colton Gothier ever played a game, uh, you know, played a high school game in front of 15,000 people. Um, has he played on, you know, the game's not on ESPN, national but uh, it's on sec network plus the the cameras are rolling so to speak it, it's clearly not the same as eighty thousand people uh, you know with opponent in the you know st- stadiums packed everybody's pumped up but it's a lot m- more you know it's it's closer to that than just going out at practice with literally almost nobody out there and no crowd and no noise and stuff like that so it, it's always interesting to see how guys respond once the pre-snap, you know, pre-game jitters actually maybe show up a little bit and, and how they respond to that. It is. And, you know, the, the added part of it is, like you said, Wes, at the opening of the show here, uh, treating it like a game week. So not only on the field, playing in front of a, a much bigger crowd than 
some of these players have seen. Some of these guys have not seen a big crowd in a while. Um, you know, the, the lead up to that, you know, how they're practicing, how they're structuring the week, trying to do it that way. For the game itself, do you, do you think – now, I was thinking about this. Defensive tackle, actually, and we, we got to look at those guys today, one of probably the deeper positions numbers-wise on this team. Still some questions there, right, as far as who's going to emerge. They need some guys to emerge. From a numbers standpoint, for instance, better today at deep tackle than on the edge, for instance. Do we see long snappers playing defensive tackle by the end of the spring game? Do we go Brad Lawing style, and do we see long snappers playing D-tackle, or will we have to relegate long snappers to the secondary maybe? Because that is obviously a thin spot. Yeah, no, I I, I don't think we're going to see any long snappers at DT. Uh, we may see some long snappers on the end um, at defensive That's end. Right. That's right. Um, you know, and I was trying to think. I know they, they actually had Tyreek Johnson working with the, the ends yep. in, in practice today, the edge guys, I should say. I don't remember if he was with that group or the interior guys. Maybe you remember, Chris, at the beginning of the spring, but but certainly was there early on, uh, you know, today in, in practice when we were able to watch. So, you know, that's a position, again, you got some veteran guys there. Does, does it matter at all if J.J. Nigbari plays on, on Saturday in the grand scheme? No. I mean, this guy has, has played a ton. Now, you know, I, I think there are guys, you know, a Jordan Birch can Jordan Birch get something from going out there and, and getting some some live reps? Absolutely, you're always walking that line that you don't want to get guys hurt. Yeah, but it's kind of you know you you can't just not practice right like this. You can't just not ever scrimmage. Oh, I never want to get anybody hurt. Um, there there's a reason you have practice. There's a reason you have scrimmages. There's a reason. I mean, where does it like? Oh, we're not going to play him against this team because we don't want to get you know get somebody hurt. Like that, there has to be a line somewhere where you actually go play football right. and let guys get better and yeah. let guys show progress. So I mean, I, I think there there are a ton of young and or not even necessarily young, you know, as far as it, are they a freshman or a junior, or senior, whatever, young and or new guys. You know, can, can an EJ Jenkins get a lot from going out and playing a bunch on Saturday? He's not a young guy, but clearly he's transitioning to a new position. He's new to this level. That could go a long way, I, I think, for him on Saturday. Luke Doty, obviously, get him a bunch of reps. Don't let him go get hit. But there, there, there is a value to going out there and, and having a spring game this Saturday. Yeah, there is. And, I mean, I, I was thinking as you were saying that some of these – veteran guys even that have been around a while a Tyree Johnson for instance Wes who you know has been on the team for quite a while but unfortunately has had some injuries he has not played really with any significance so um, that's a guy that even though he's not a freshman or a sophomore and uh, going into year two in this program could stand to benefit there's going to be some other guys that have been around a while that you'll want to get a good look at a Rick Sandage is a good example of that of a guy that you want to continue to progress because you're going to need him to play some this year. Really, anyone in the secondary. I mean, a lot, a lot of these guys come to mind. Rosendo Lewis, for instance, at linebacker, who, again, he's another that he's he's been around a bit, but he just hasn't really played, and he's missed a lot of practice time during the course of his career um, because of those injuries. He's had a couple injuries that have really hampered his, his progress, his development. So anytime you can get those guys on – Know, you're, you're going to want to see them. And there's certain guys, I mean, Beamer talked about Kevin Harris, for instance. Is he going to play some? Yeah. You don't need Kevin Harris out there getting 20 carries in the spring game. That, that doesn't do anything for you. But as a Quandre White or Rashad Amos, there are many guys on this team, all facets of the game, who need to get as much work as they can. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you can go you can go play and you can tackle – you can also take a little extra precaution to protect your teammates. You know, like it's it's there to me. There's probably a, a level of uh, of hitting where you can tackle to the ground, but without going out there trying to knock your teammates' heads off as well. You know, sure. so th- there is a way to go play and, and try to keep guys healthy. But but I think you're right, Rashad Amos, uh, Squandre White, um, you know, uh, Nathan Harris, Waynick, the the walk on who's new. You know, I, I think there's. There's a, the the receivers. We talked about how many dudes are in this receiver group. 
Um, you know, some of them have been banged up as well, but going and getting the young guys, uh, you know, some, some reps is obviously valuable. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, come Friday's show, maybe we get Colin on here. Maybe we treat this thing like a, a real game, um, have some predictions. Uh, maybe we do a little contest and, and, and sort of predict who's the, you know, who, who are the standouts? Who's the leading rusher in the game? Who's the leading receiver? Because that, that, that's very – we've seen in the past. It's actually really difficult to predict because yes. it's got to be a guy who's going to get enough opportunities to actually make some plays, but is good enough and far enough along as a, as a player to go make the plays, but then – not that he gets yanked out, but you know he makes three catches and then gets yanked out because they don't want him to get hurt. So you got to kind of find that guy that fits in the middle there that's going to go get to play a whole lot, and uh, and you know maybe maybe we'll we'll do something with that on on Saturday or on Friday leading into Saturday and, and try to uh, see how this goes because I you know and there are several I see people in the chat talking about it. There's several guys that I am curious to just go see play for the first time or see play for the first time in a while and see what they look like live, see what progress has been made. And we do, it's going to be a very vanilla offense, very vanilla defense. We're not going to get a great feel for the scheme, but we will get a feel maybe for some base things from an offensive and defensive structure standpoint as well. Yeah. And the thing I'm excited about is just having a chance to, you know, see the practice that, we've seen so little of it for so long. It seems like it's been years since we've seen substantial practice like this. Um, and so just getting an opportunity to see the progression of some players that we haven't gotten to see this spring in any depth that we didn't get to see last season. Um, that That's what I'm really interested in. Um, somebody brought up, brought up Joey Hunter in the chat, you know, a, a Joey Hunter type of an OD fortune, a, um, a lot of these guys in the secondary, um, EJ Jenkins on offense, you know, Rashad Amos, Zaquandre White. I mean, there are so many guys that we just have not gotten a good look at that are young players that, yeah, regardless of what they're doing schematically, you know, depending on who's available, again, there's, there might be some guys that are held out even for minor things. Um, we're going to get a better sense of, of maybe their progression as a player physically and, and where they're slotted. You know, that that's a question with some of these DBs they've been, doing some cross training, a lot of that having to do with just lack of depth right now, lack of experience, lack of guys available. So we get to see some of that. And and will we pick up some, some schematic things? Yeah. But I think just individually, some of the player development is going to be really interesting to see and look forward to checking that out in more depth than we've seen in quite some time. Got a question on here. Uh, is our linebacking core going to be slim this year? You know, I – I think that's one of those positions right now that is sort of um, maybe on the border of, of being, yes, potentially thin. I, I think it's basically a, a situation there where who can step up, who can show they're ready. Or, you know, you have a couple of veterans. We, we went in depth about this on, you know, a couple of shows ago, if you want to go back and watch it or listen to it. But you have two guys in, in Try Green and Brad Johnson whose careers actually – there are some parallels here. They're both linebackers. They're both sort of been working with that first-team group in the four-two-five. They both um, are veteran guys. They're both sort of at new positions, and they both have dealt, dealt with injuries their entire career. You know, they've been banged up several different times. So, you know, I, I look at um, these as, as being a situation – can they show they're ready? Can they stay healthy? And can they take advantage of, of what really is a massive opportunity? Then you start going behind them. How ready is a Debo Williams? How ready is a Mokaba? You make, you mentioned uh, Rosendo Lewis. Uh, is he ready to be able to take a step forward, stay healthy, take advantage of that? That That's a room right now you don't – to me, if I'm looking at like the three levels of the defense, I'm saying based on on paper and spring feedback, you actually feel really good about the defensive line. Uh, in the secondary, we know that is a potentially thin group with questions, and people are going to have a prove-it mindset there until they go do that. Linebackers, some, somewhere in between. Um, are the guys ready? 
who you know who is ready, who's in a position to contribute there, who's not. Um, that's not answered yet. I think is the best way to say it. Yeah, I I think there are from what we've picked up, Wes, and I think even from some things that have been said publicly. You know, that's not a group where you say, okay, you feel outstanding about the two deep. You don't. Even if you feel pretty good about some of the guys there, we went into a lot of detail on this recently. Some of the position changes, you know, Brad Johnson moving from that Sam Buck, you know, edge type of slot to now he's playing more of a true linebacker slot. That is at a minimum a question, right, as to how it translates in the game. You've got some guys that are a little short on experience who – you know, a Jamar Brown, he's played some, yes, but he's been banged up. He missed almost all of last season. So now he's transitioning into a new scheme. He's still, although he's been around a while, a relatively young player in terms of experience. You have Sherrod Green now playing the Mike position. Um, you've got Damani Staley, who's played a good bit of ball, but, you know, he's he's still around as a depth guy. So Mo Kaba, again, same boat, young player. So there's a lot of projecting, even if you feel pretty good about some of the talent there. I think as a coach within this program, you're probably a little bit worried about the experience and just how some of these moves may stick. Um, Some of them were made, I think, out of necessity. I mean, you lose Ernest Jones. That's not something you can do anything about. You would love to have Ernest Jones. So what do you do? You try to make a corresponding move based on what you have. Um, And more help in the summer with, you know, a couple guys Pete Limbo mentioned, Colby Fields, Bam Scott, you get those guys, and, and maybe they can help, but they're not here for spring. And and to some degree, that's going to be a wait and see to see how, how ready those guys are as well. So it is still a question mark. I still think it's a concern spot or a, a little bit of a prove-it spot, not as much as DB because of some of the – I think they're facing a real numbers crunch there in addition to a lot of the guys they lost to for a lot of different reasons in the offseason. Good question here from Alex. He says, uh, you mentioned how both the offense and the defense will be more vanilla in the spring or in the game. How much install should a team hope to have done with the schemes by this point in the spring? You know, Alex, I would I would dare say there's like, what, 90% of the offense and defense in at this point. Um, you know, I, I would say based on feedback, most of the offense and defense from a base schematic standpoint is in, you know, and and when you say in, it, it's sort of like the guys have been exposed to to all the different features of the offense and of the defense. Now, as things go along, you take a lot of it away when you start to get into the, the season and then certainly into a game week, you take more away. And then you add, you know, if we're, if we're not counting sort of the additions each week, everybody's going to install a new wrinkle or two or three or four at a game week situation, right? But as far as big picture, is the offense in? Is the defense in? I mean, for the most part, the scheme is in, and they will just continue to tweak as they go. You know, maybe you go, you know, maybe you sit around, um, you watch some film, or maybe you go to a, a coaching clinic during the summer, and maybe you see something you like. You're, you're, you know, these coaches are always tweaking things, but the big picture part of the scheme is already in. Now, Saturday, you really limit things. One, you just – you don't want stuff on film. You know, frankly, if if there's – you know, these practices aren't open. um, People aren't able to see what you're doing. And if there there are certainly disadvantages to installing new offense, defense, special teams, the advantage to installing a new offense, defense, and special teams is that teams don't know exactly what you're going to do. You know, if you look, what, on on defense – teams are going to go back and watch the Western Kentucky scheme for, from last year. Um, they're going to watch what Memphis did on special teams last year. Um, with Marcus Satterfield, there is no direct recent scheme that they're going to go back and be able to directly say, this is probably what they're going to do on offense, you know, this offseason. So going into the year, you're probably – you know, I, I think, Chris, sometimes coaches are overly paranoid and, and put way too much emphasis on hiding, you know, these secrets and stuff. But if I'm South Carolina, and you know, especially with this offensive scheme, there's probably not a ton out there on exactly what you're going to be doing there. So I, I, I think that's that's an advantage. You're not going to give that away for a Saturday afternoon spring game on April 24th. 
But the other side of that is you just want to give the guys some stuff that they can go easily execute, get some confidence, not look bad on TV, not look bad in front of the set fans, and, and just have something good to build off of going into the offseason. That's right. No, it's, it's a good point about the offense. And you think about, you know, Marcus Satterfield and the offenses he's run in the past, and, and he's done a lot of different things. You look at Temple, for instance, there's a lot of eye and running the football and Tennessee Tech, you know, more spread out. So he's done a lot of that different stuff. And then obviously in the NFL exposed to some different things. And we've mentioned before, Wes, on the program here that, you know, our understandings, the South Carolina staff has taken some concepts from a lot of NFL teams. And, uh, you know, we know we're going to see some Oklahoma stuff. So opposing teams right now in, in their scout, they're obviously going to go back and they're going to pull everything Marcus Satterfield's done. They're going to pull a lot of Joe Brady stuff. They're going to pull a lot of Lincoln Riley stuff because there's obvious ties they know that's going to be involved, but there's other concepts from the pros that you know you don't really know until South Carolina puts it on tape. And look, there's not going to be anything hardly ever that a, a college or even a pro team at this point puts out there on a play that a defensive coordinator is going to say at this stage in, in the game of football, I have never seen that before. You may every now and then you, you may see some, you know, Andy Reid, I'm sure this season is going to have some, new concept with the Chiefs where we go, wow, that's a really cool play. Doesn't happen a lot, but the key is, has the coach prepared his players for that play? Have they repped that in practice? And so if, and we don't know if it necessarily for sure will be, but if there's any chance that they may give you an advantage on a couple plays in the course of a football game this year, then then certainly that's something you take if you're the Gamecocks. Uh, a couple more questions here. Craig asked um, if we knew what, injury Joey Hunter was dealing with. I do not. Do you know, Chris? I know I, he's He's been in the injured group every practice we've seen as far as uh, open session of practice, which I don't know, dude. Is that four, five? Um, I think four. Four. Workouts, yep. Maybe. Four um, so, but, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what it is. I, I know he's – he. He hasn't been – some guys, like, dress and are no contact. Some guys um, dress but then go straight to, like, the little back, like, rehab sort of area. Then some guys, you know, don't – can't really do anything during practice. So, I, I don't know exactly what category he is, but he is not dressed out that we've seen at all this spring as far as being on the field and going through drill work and, and all that stuff. Uh, Shout out to Eric Burke, a good buddy of mine. I've not heard from Eric in a while. Um, Eric, what's up, man? He says, uh, we may have talked about this, but do you think the D-line will be more productive this year? I, I think absolutely. I, I think the more you hear that that's going to be a an area that's highly you know, featured as, as far as being a standout group within this program this year. And, you know, I, I thought it was interesting today. You want to sort of glean some tidbits from Beamer. He went out of his way to praise Zach Pickens. Uh, you know, that to me was well beyond the, oh, you know, this guy's had a great spring or this guy's done some good things or this guy's progressing. You know, he, he went as far to say Pickens has been in the backfield pretty much all day on Saturday and, and has been making plays like that all spring. When a coach goes out of his way to say something like that, that sort of, you know, the, the antenna pops up, that sort of gets your attention. And, you know, I, I think – you start to look if if Pickens is what we think he could be for this year. You know what Enigbare is. Continue to hear Birch coming on. Um, I think Birch can can take a starting spot at, at one of the outside, like you know, in positions. So then you got Enigbare, Birch on the outside, Pickens, maybe a veteran like a Jabari Ellis beside him inside, and that's. You know, not even to mention the depth you're going to have at that point behind those guys. I, I think that's a position group you got to feel really good about, Eric. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the depth you mentioned, I mean, Aaron Sterling, who started and played quite well in a bunch of football games for this team. Inabari had a really good – overshadowed by the just very poor year overall, but played really well. I mean, I was talking to an NFL guy the other day, and, and J.J. Inabari came up and said, yeah, that, that kid's really good. Um, like right now, going into his senior year, um, before we're even in the, into the summer of that, right now the, the, the book on him is apparently he's got a chance to be, you know, maybe a second-round type pick right now. And so 
he could obviously improve on that. He can move back from that. He could solidify that. We'll have to see how the season goes. But that shows you just the type of talent he has and what he's put on tape. You know, in Jordan Birch, we continue to hear. I mean, a couple comments that were made on the practice field today. I, I mentioned to you Jordan Birch, just watching him move around. and They were doing a specific special teams drill where he was sort of open field tackling a guy, thud tackling, not taking to the ground. He just moves different, you know, than, than anybody. Most people that size, even football players his size, he just moves different. And so uh, we continue to hear he's taking a step forward. You mentioned how Zach Pickens is a large human being, which we've known, but always looks the part, you know, getting off the bus. And I think the key for him was just to continue progressing, continue learning. Highly regarded guy out of high school who was learning to play inside, different techniques, was still sort of raw. And he's come along quite well. And so um, it's great news that he continues to progress because they've needed – that was sort of the question on this line. The edge guys, you feel pretty good about, needed some guys to step up on the interior. They have some experience there. And Pickens in his junior year, if he can continue coming on, would be a, a big storyline for this defense. Yeah, Gamecock spring, spring game scheduled for 2 p.m. That's on SEC Network+. Plus. I've seen a lot of people asking on Twitter about the weather – um, you know, is that going to be an issue? Could it be moved? I mean, it's, you know, and, and Beamer said that there was a time in, at Oklahoma where they did move the thing to Friday at the last second. But that's such an under – it's not like moving, you know, it's it's hard just to move a spring game at the last second. I would be shocked if, uh, if there was anything that changed. Um, certainly they can't push it back. They've said there's not much room. There's NCAA rule – for when you start spring to when you finish, that you have to get in all your workouts. And South Carolina actually has already taken advantage of, you know, they, they had that week where they sort of shut things down a little bit uh, as far as practices go. So they've already spread it out, um, you know, quite a bit from 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 maybe what you could have done if you needed to just do it in a, in a short time period. So I, I would be surprised at, at all if there are any changes as far as the game. I, you know, it's probably happening rain or shine. On Saturday, again, 2 o'clock, SEC Network Plus. And, you know, Chris, I, I, I think um, we'll continue, obviously, to talk about this as the week goes on. So I don't want to just drone on and on about the game today. We'll break it down. Once we get the rosters, we're going to make predictions on who's going to be a standout, on which team's going to win, and, and we'll sort of go from there. But I, I do want to talk a little bit about something that everybody was buzzing about in the chat to start that's an intriguing transfer portal addition in Arkansas's Mike Woods. Wide receiver, playmaker, um, don't have his numbers right in front of me. I, I know he caught uh, 30-something balls last year. Kid that can was really good down the field. And obviously, Chris, has a connection in that he was coached by Justin Stepp at Arkansas. Now, I've done some digging on this. I, I think that, for one, I can say with certainty this is not a situation where, you know, sometimes a guy enters the portal and it's just locked in. <laughs> oh, he's going to that school. This is not a situation where uh, that he is just locked in, like, oh, he's going to go follow his former coach. Like, it's not something where South Carolina is definitely going to get him or even going to have a great shot with him at this point. Now, from what I've heard, South Carolina, if Woods is interested, they would obviously be, be very interested. What he did at Arkansas, you know, the connection there with Step, those two have a good relationship. I think that goes both ways from what I've heard. Um, there may be an end there for South Carolina. I also believe, based on what I've heard from some people near Woods, that – he is looking for a pretty solidified situation where he's going to go in and feel good about being in an offense where he's going to get the ball delivered to him, that he's going to be able to go make plays even more so than he was at Arkansas this year. So there may be something there to fight for South Carolina where obviously this is a program in year one under the staff and you're trying to establish things offensively. So I think – it's kind of a pro, you know, if you were making a chart right now, there are some pros in South Carolina's favor. The other side of that, though, there are some cons that I don't think work in South Carolina's favor at all here. 
big picture answer though for people asking. Keep an eye on it. Let's see where it goes. And yes, absolutely, even if he is maybe even a little bit right now, you'd probably say almost in the long shot category, this dude would definitely help South Carolina if they were able to get him. Yeah, it would be a huge acquisition. And, and a couple more things that I would just add there, Wes, the, the Justin Stepp connection, not only did Stepp recruit him, coach him in Arkansas, Woods, to illustrate how, how close they were, Woods was committed to Justin Stepp at SMU when he worked there with Chad Morris. Once Stepp moved to Arkansas with Chad Morris, then Woods also flipped to Arkansas. So good relationship with the staff then and, and has kept that with Justin Stepp. To your point about wanting an offense that could feature him, again, great point in, in that rival recruiters, people going after Woods, and there will be many of them with a guy with his talent level are really going to harp on that. One school that I would think that I don't know for sure, maybe you've heard a little bit about this, Texas, home state for Mike Woods, has said in the past that he grew up a Texas fan. That was sort of his dream school growing up. Head coach of Texas is, of course, Steve Sarkeesian, who is a really good offensive mind, but has also happened to coach last couple years at Alabama, who has produced a huge run of really, really good wide receivers who are talented. So I would think watch Texas. South Carolina obviously has the ties, but I think he laid it out really well. Just wanted to throw those couple points in. Yeah, and I when, when I say in this instance, when I say maybe a bit of a long shot, I mean more in the fact that we don't necessarily – it's so early, and generally a lot of times guys in the transfer portal have a decent idea of where they're going. Now, in Wood's case, like you said, Chris, this guy's going to have options. Like, I think he could go help about anywhere in the country. Uh, but I, I say a bit of a long shot and that it's still early. We don't exactly know which way. Is he willing to come, you know, even further away from, from home, come all the way out on the East Coast? And, uh, you know, is, is he does he trust the situation here enough to, to be like, okay, I'm going to get the football? Um, you know, as far as new offense, you know, QB situation, just offense in general, like does he trust all those things enough? Or like you said, man, if if I'm Sarkeesian, I feel like I've got a pretty – I'm just going to flip on the tape of those dudes at Bama yeah, and be like, dude, home state, you're starting. What more do you need to know? Yeah. So, so you know, we'll see. But that that's – if I'm – if I'm building a case without like knowing the prior relationships here, that that's a pretty tough case to beat. I feel like if we're being like objective, like I, I know the South Carolina fans saw that and instantly were like, Oh, Justin step, get this guy out here, which is a great thought. But objectively, I, I do. I think you're right, man. That's just that. That's a That's a tough recruiting pitch to knock down. Never count out Justin Stepp. I'll say that. Never count him out. But, uh, you know, that's tough, and we'll see which direction this goes. But, um, dude, watch, watching some film of the kid, uh, just some of the plays he made last year, um, this guy's a dude, probably would instantly help take South Carolina's receiving core to, a next, to another level if somehow that were to happen. It would be – it would be huge for South Carolina to, to add a proven guy to a position where you need proven guys. You need proven playmakers, downfield presence, which, you know, is, is one of his greatest strengths, uh, making some of those downfield catches on the sideline, tight quarters, 50-50 balls, long speed. He's got all those things uh, along with size. So it was a really good get by Justin Stepp at Arkansas, obviously, and has developed into a nice player. But, yeah, I think – you know, a lot of people want us to say, ah, if you were going to take a guess, what would you say? And, and we, we like to stay away from that for a lot of reasons. These recruiting situations are often very, very fluid. But I, I do go to the, the Texas thing. And, of course, like I said, we, we don't have the hard information right now that Texas definitely wants him or Woods is definitely interested in Texas. But it makes a ton of sense. A guy who you – know, Mike Woods is going to play a ton at Arkansas. He's probably going to catch a good many balls at Arkansas this year. Um, so to leave that and, and to, to find an even better situation, I sort of put my eyes over towards towards Austin and, and sort of wonder if that may be 
the fit. You, you would think at a minimum there'll be a major suitor, but we'll see, and we'll definitely be tracking it. Yeah, no doubt. We'll see where it goes, and um, I, I think uh, let's see. Quick question from Reed. He said, "If he did come, who would sit?" I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> trying to think of the best way to answer that. There, there's no, there's no there are no starters at this point. You know, if everything is open. So I don't even if he doesn't come, I don't know if I could sit here and tell you who which three guys <laughs> right. would be the first out there for South Carolina this year. Like I, I could have my guesses. If I had to guess right now, probably some of the guys who are a little bit older, you know, to carry on joiner in the slot or Trey Smith outside. Uh, Jalen Brooks outside just based on feedback and what those guys have done. But, you know, there, there's nothing set in stone. So anybody that comes in and can make plays for you, uh, you know, is going to have a chance to, to go out there and play. So we'll see. Uh, speaking of Arkansas, though, segue, Gamecocks, Arkansas, baseball this weekend. I'm thinking, Chris, we make this a uh, – we, we almost have to treat this like we do a football weekend. I'm efforting getting an Arkansas beat writer because Arkansas is good enough in baseball that unlike some of the different, you know, sports sites out there, our Arkansas rival site, they actually cover the Arkansas baseball team from an in-depth standpoint. Not all schools do that. Obviously South Carolina websites, it gets covered just like football, just like basketball, et cetera. Arkansas does the same. So I'm going to effort having an Arkansas person on with us. That will probably be Wednesday and uh, to help preview the series. But massive series for South Carolina. Just in time, they get news that they're going to have 50% capacity. Founders Park will be rocking on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There are tickets available right now unless, before, unless they sell out before you actually listen to this, if you're listening later on. But, Chris, another big win for South Carolina this past weekend. We haven't had a show since then. But South Carolina losing the quote Friday. This time it was on Thursday, but the normal Friday game once again. And then finding a way to win um, the the two games after that. Uh, Craig says tickets are over 100 bucks. There, there should still be tickets available from South Carolina, I believe. They, they may be over the top on, on StubHub. I, they have not announced a sellout yet. Um, so – those tickets are not a hundred bucks. I don't. I don't know. I haven't logged in, and I, I know right now. I think you have to be a season ticket holder. And then at one point, it goes to Gamecock clubs, and then if there's anybody anything left on Thursday morning, it will open up to to anybody that wants to buy single game tickets for this weekend. But Chris, before we dive into Arkansas, we'll, and we'll dive into it later this week, another big series win at LSU, and just. Um, Let's call it what it is. Seventh inning, game two overall, but game one of Saturday. Yeah. And in this case, the seventh inning equals the nine, ninth inning because of the final inning of the game. It was a weird seven-inning doubleheader thing. South Carolina looked LSU in the eye and took their soul, basically, and then just beat the heck out of them in game three of the series. Yeah. So what a comeback. That was impressive, dude. Clutch hit after clutch hit. Um, huge. You, you can't even – there are not words to describe when you look at the rest of the schedule, how big it was for South Carolina to come through in that inning. It was. I mean, you know, you're up against it. You, you kept having the feeling in that game, too, throughout – where, gosh, South Carolina, it seems like they're close to maybe breaking through, and, and they didn't. And then all of a sudden you're up against it in the seventh inning in a seven-inning game. And so they had to make something happen, and they did. And and after that, like you said, I, it seemed like that sort of took the wind out of LSU's sails a little bit. And then game three hits, second game of the doubleheader, and it, it, it happened just like I think you and Colin really talked about it a lot the other day when we were previewing the series, that difference in having Will Sanders was tremendous. I mean, it, it really showed, and South Carolina hit the ball extremely well in game three, but having 
that that difference between the the staff that LSU had on Sunday on Game Three Saturday and Will Sanders, it was like a chasm, and it, it keeps widening, and that's why you really feel like if South Carolina wins Game One or two of any series, they're going to have a great shot to win the series because of Sunday and Will Sanders. I mean, I got give credit to either Tommy Moody or Derek Scott wrapping up the game, game three on Saturday. Will Sanders has not had any appearance this year in which he's walked more than one, whether it was start or relief or whatever it may be. That's impressive. I mean, he's, he's really, really good. And I, I did mention that, you know, I was going to reveal my new MVP of this team, which seems to change weekly. It is, it is Colin Burgess. Uh, his, his SEC – Batting average, on-base percentage, all that stuff is really good. He continues to mow down runners, solid as a rock as a catcher, and and comes up with clutch hits. And so I think I think he's really been excellent for this team. Yes, uh, Colin Burgess, aka Tum Tum from the Three Ninjas of our childhood, right. and a a guy that very. I don't think he's underrated as a defensive player because we see what he is capable of as a defensive player, but very underrated as yeah. a hitter. Has improved as the year has gone on and doesn't really strike out and has consistently good at bats. So um, not uh, not the fastest man on the planet, <laughs> but other than that, a very, very uh, good baseball player. Gutsy dude, just – just fight. I mean, he's always like limping around, hobbling around, but finds a way. And you've got it. You know what? You go back, you look at those national championship teams, not saying this is a national championship team, but you look at those teams for every Jackie Bradley Jr., Christian Walker, just absolute stud that ended up playing Major League Baseball. You got to have a few dirt bags too. You know, you got to have an Adrian Morales, a, a guy that just refuses to quit. And uh, Burgess is one of those. But, man, D- David Mendham has the bat coming around a little bit. He had a huge weekend. And he was a guy that just absolutely struggled for a stretch there, I feel like. Was really good coming in. Had a struggle. And now has found his swing and, and is really seeing the ball well. That that helps this lineup tremendously. Uh, you know, you look uh, George Khalil. Has, is having better at bats the last probably three weeks or so, and uh, just um, really turned it out. I, I think and, and has put this offense in a situation where I mean you saw it at its best on the the final Saturday game when they were able to sort of let loose. And I think again, y'all, that's the difference. You have these pitchers, these third pitchers, like Sunday guys for other teams. They get out there and they either don't have. Their stuff isn't near as good, or they have good stuff, but they're young and they start trying to nibble at the plate. They they get too scared to throw the ball over the plate, and they start walking people all over the place. Will Sanders makes every single team earn it, and most of the time his stuff is good enough that they're just not they're not going to consistently get on base with him. So if you go into Sunday knowing you're going to get a start where your guy's going to go five six innings and he's going to give up like a run or two or less, um, you're going to win a ton of Sunday games like that. So, uh, so yes, we'll, uh, we'll see if that continues this week. Huge Thursday, Friday, Saturday matchup. Arkansas, they're number one on at least some of the polls. There's like literally 35 college baseball polls that there's way too many. I don't know which ones are official. Maybe we should start our own poll, but <laughs> That's right. Arkansas is really good. I know that, and Founders Park will be absolutely not packed, but more packed than it has been in a long time. So that that would be very exciting, Chris. I'm I'm excited. I feel like there's a little buzz uh, in, in yeah. Columbia now for this one. There is two two really good teams, and in Arkansas, as advertised, I mean, you, you want to put them one two wherever. It's easy to see from a resume standpoint, that they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the country. And, and we'll see how South kind of stacks up. They may have a, a claim to be playing as the best team in the country if they can beat Arkansas. We'll, we'll see. But you, you look at what they did. I mean, Arkansas's schedule, man. We, we talk about South Carolina's schedule. Arkansas's got a tough one, too. They opened the season 
and and these are current rankings. Okay, so it, I think it's even more helpful to look at how teams have progressed since these games. They open with wins consecutively over number three Texas Tech, number nine Texas, and number ten TCU. They they won all those in a row. Uh, they haven't lost a series this year. They've beaten Louisiana Tech, who's top twenty five in a series. They swept number three Mississippi State uh, at the time. They beat. Ole Miss is a top five team. So they're really good. And and they've dropped a couple. I know mean, they dropped a, a Sunday contest to AM. They dropped a Sunday contest to Louisiana Tech. So they've shown some vulnerabilities to giving up runs on Sundays at times or, or being a little bit more vulnerable in those games. So if you're South Carolina, that's something I think you think about. You need to be able to take game one, game two. And they can put up runs in bunches. They beat uh, they beat a team twenty six to one Arkansas Pine Bluff this year, and they put up a lot of double digits in the run category. So, really offensively, uh, a lot of firepower, and their pitching is really good too. So, I think West the key, and I, and I don't look. I'm not out here handing out an automatic L to anybody that South Carolina plays on Sunday. It sounds kind of like you are, Chris. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you would tend to favor South Carolina in Sunday games if you're going to start picking games, right? Um, Just because they do have that advantage of the Will Sanders factor. So I think for South Carolina, the key is obviously you got to take care of business on Sunday, but, but take one of those first two and you feel much better about your chances of scoring a huge series win. So I think what we've seen, the theme the past few weeks, and I don't know why or what to attribute it to, struggled a little bit with runners in scoring positions or getting the bats going during the game one of these past few series. And Thomas Farr has been a little bit off, especially in the early goings of some of his outings. If you do that against Arkansas, it might spell trouble because of of how hot their bats can get. So that to me will be a key is how does Thomas Farr look in game one coming out early? If he's solid, you're going to feel a lot better about this series, I think. Gamecock Russ says, at worst, if South Carolina wins one of three, I'm not mad. If South Carolina upsets and wins two of three, I'm ecstatic. And if South Carolina wins three of three, I'm going to transcend into a new realm. So if if South Carolina – not even sweeps. If South Carolina wins two of three this weekend, then um, the the excitement level will hit an entirely new realm, to steal Russ's word there, um, heading into the the final little stretch this season. So big – yes, tough – Tough series, tough games. Don't get me wrong, very tough. But lots of opportunities for South Carolina for statement-type wins heading into the tournament down the road as well. So it will be a fun weekend for South Carolina. And uh, let's see, I wanted to hit the chat a little bit more. Uh, What's up, William Howell, good friend of the show, good friend of Gamecock Central, Gamecock Central subscriber. Shout out to him. What's up, my friend? And – We've had quite a bit of questions, Chris, about SEC Network Plus and uh, and watching the game. Um, we y'all y'all got to get on the SEC Network Plus bandwagon here. This is not like the Longhorn Network that you have to give a blood sample, um, three years tax returns, and uh, facial recognition to actually get access to it. SEC Network Plus is awesome. Like you can watch so there is always something on that app all you got to do is have for one you can do it on your computer but you want to put it on the big screen fire stick roku playstation 4 xbox one whatever you have just download the espn app simple as that now you need to have a password whether it's hulu live youtube tv spectrum direct tv dish network or your mama's password at home get somebody's password that has SEC Network. If you have SEC Network, you also have SEC Network Plus. Don't pay the extra $5 or whatever it is for ESPN Plus. Completely different. You don't want that. You need a password to a cable or streaming service that has SEC Network. Log in with those credentials on the app, and you can watch. I mean, they got volleyball games on there, softball games on there, other baseball games on there, spring games on there. If you want to watch a sport, you can watch. You can find something to watch. There's probably something going on. So um, y'all, y'all got to get on board with the SEC Network Plus. It's not near as tough as Longhorn, and and really well 
you know, as much as we talk junk about how things are done sometimes, I think the SEC did a really good job with making their everything so accessible through the SEC network. And almost literally almost all the baseball games, if they're not on TV, they're available on there. And uh, it, it's it's way – I mean, I remember when SEC baseball even, as good as South Carolina was, all their games were not on TV. You had that online streaming thing that you had to log in. Um, you had to log in to, you know, Gamecocks online, and it was like sometimes it was one camera and all this stuff back in the day. Beautiful access these days. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm, I'm thankful for it for all those reasons, plus the fact that – uh, sometimes on regular SEC network, if not plus gymnastics, SEC gymnastics that my daughter watches. My daughters love it. They always come up to me. Can we watch gymnastics? Can we watch gymnastics? So we put it on there. A lot of really good gymnastics teams in the SEC. So they like to check that out. I like to check out football spring games. Sometimes you check out soccer, Gamecock, soccer, women's soccer, obviously on SEC network plus a lot and all the baseball, just about all the baseball games. So it's tremendous. Wes, thank you for that tutorial. Apparently, the people needed it. Apparently, they did. I, I thought SEC Network Plus was a known commodity in this state. Uh, Craig says I had to get ESPN Plus for our midweek baseball games. Craig, cancel that thing, man. You There was like one game, I think. Um, was it the Citadel Road game? There was one game this year that you had to have Plus, I think. It had to have ESPN Plus. Let me be clear. SEC Network Plus. Pretty much, if it wasn't already on TV itself, had everything else. So I, I don't think you need that anymore. Certainly, I don't think there's any more plus only ESPN plus only games that are that are left. If, as long as your cable package that you're logging in with has SEC Network, you're supposed to have SEC Network Plus access. Eric says he's not sure if Dish has Plus. I don't have Dish Network. I can't speak for it, but pretty sure if you have SEC Network. You're supposed to have plus. Um, Craig says I have YouTube TV. You are good with YouTube TV. If you just, I, I can vouch that one personally. If you just log in with your YouTube TV credentials on the ESPN app, or you can just go to watchespn.com if you want to watch it on your laptop. Uh, but you can do the app on Fire Stick, on iPad, PlayStation, Xbox. Although I will say, Fire Stick and Roku, I think stream, in my experience, stream way better than like a PlayStation uh, just because they're made to stream. So uh, keep that in mind. Some Sometimes the ESPN app gives me trouble if I have it on the PS4, whereas if I just use the Fire Stick, never any issues at all. So we are – I'm telling you, man, Chris, we are, we are keeping everyone informed. Um, we found a way to get the Longhorn Network earlier this year, and we've definitely – inform the masses on the SEC Network Plus. You're um, saving the people money, Craig, saving him money by being able to cancel. Um, I don't know if ESPN appreciates that because they would like to keep him. But if for anybody that is now canceling your streaming service, you can use that money, of course, to subscribe to Gamecock Central, which is a much better investment because you do need that. You do not need ESPN Plus unless you watch a lot of soccer like I do. I did confirm also, since we're handing out free info, no other South Carolina baseball game this season is on anything other than SEC Network or SEC Network Plus, with the exception of the May 11th game against Clemson. Ah, uh, yeah. At Clemson, which will be on ACC Network Extra. Wes, please prepare your tutorial for that. When it's time, you have about a month, about three weeks to prepare how to get ACC Network Extra, but everything else is SEC Network or SEC Network Plus for the remainder of the year. Uh, Russ asked, do I use a LAN cable for my PS4? Yes, I do. I, I put that one in. Um, the Fire Stick is all Wi-Fi, but just for whatever reason, tends to stream very, very well. It does. Um, I think without knowing and checking, I think ACC Network Extra Plus, whatever they call it, is um, also just on the ESPN I think you're app, correct. And I think it's included in those same packages that have SEC Network, though I don't obviously know every single service, uh, TV service, and, and what has it or not. But we can all agree ACC Network Extra, not near as good as the SEC Network Plus, is the, uh, is the uh, final verdict 
here. All right, y'all, that's that's about an hour. Tomorrow I'm going to work on getting us an Arkansas guy to tell us a little bit about this Arkansas team, go a little more in-depth than just looking at the stats and all that stuff. Uh, then a, as the week goes on, we'll, we'll give our, our final thoughts on the spring game, maybe give some predictions, and uh, and then we'll go from there. You got anything else, Chris? That's it, man. All right, he's Chris. I'm Wes. Appreciate all of you joining us. See you all tomorrow. Y'all have a good one. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.